know, as I was uh, going through this past week, a uh, couple of weeks actually, there's a there's a scripture verse that's just been bouncing around in my head, and I I haven't been able to get it out, which which isn't really a bad thing because it's good to have scripture bouncing around in your head, uh, but it's an interesting one that that maybe uh, I haven't thought about for for years, and so I thought maybe it was in my head to to share with you. Uh, the story goes back a long ways to when I was a teenager. Uh, it was just the period of time where it was just starting to become fashionable for guys to have one ear pierced and something hanging in their ear. And being a teenager and wanting to be fashionable, it was something I was interested in. Didn't wasn't sure if it was something I would ever do or not, uh, but it was that period of time. I don't remember how we got on the topic, but I was talking with my father about this idea. And he told me, to my great surprise, sure, you can have your ear pierced under one condition. I thought I was really surprised by that. And I said, well, what's the condition? He said, if you let me pierce it. I said, what? He said, Exodus 21, 5 to 6. Obviously, he'd thought about it. Of course, being my dad, he wouldn't tell me what was in there. I had to look it up myself. So uh, I I turned to Exodus chapter 21 uh, later, and um, the situation in that verse is that the year of Jubilee is being explained. And the idea of the year of Jubilee, or one of the things, is that if you were in a situation where you lost your, your ability to work or come on hard times and had to sell your land and then couldn't support yourself, so you sold yourself as a slave, uh, then in the year of Jubilee, uh, you would be set free and given your land back. You would no longer be a slave. And then there's this condition put on there in Exodus 21.5. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, the master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. So my dad was obviously saying, you're under my authority right now so if you let me pierce your ear then you'll be under my authority for life he wanted a slave that was the condition it never happened but the reason i've been thinking about that is because um it's a it's a very interesting and i think enlightening um description of choices choices that we make and their outcomes their follow-through because every choice has a follow-through And I think the choices we make uh, have a lot to do with whether we live in joy or in fear. So take, for example, um, I mean, I was going to say on your way here, but none of you were on your way here. But uh, let's say you're driving and you come to a stop sign and you choose to run the stop sign. That's a choice. Probably you were thinking you'd get to where you're going faster. But... You will get to where you're going faster unless you don't. Because as soon as you see the the red and blue lights flashing behind you, now you're not joyful anymore. Now you're filled with fear and, and, and worry about the consequences of your choice and it'll probably take you longer to get there. And we look at this slave. Given the choice to remain a slave for life, that doesn't seem like a choice anyone would make, but... But it is, a, it is a bad choice to be a slave. 
unless it isn't. Uh, You take, for example, a person who maybe has the self-awareness to know that maybe physically or mentally or for whatever reason, they're not capable of making their land productive. And they have someone who's, who's, whose authority over them as, as their master is very kind and generous and full of grace and, has a, and gives them lots of food and good life. Well, maybe that would be the best choice. Choices have consequences and sometimes, um, sometimes we need to choose what's right, even if it involves some suffering. I don't know what choices you're faced with, but uh, some things probably, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You could choose this or you could choose that, and maybe you don't even know what the outcome would be. Uh, some things maybe you don't want to choose what you know is right, and so you're living in a constant internal battle. And I can tell you from my own experience and others that, that when you just finally choose what's right, no matter what's involved in that, uh, those fears and battles go away and, and unexpectedly, even if it's a tough situation, the joy starts to rise up. Anyways, I've been thinking about choices. The little ones, the big ones. Uh, this year's been a year full of choices that none of us anticipated. And uh, the, the follow-through of those choices will affect whether we live in fear or in joy. And so uh, I challenge you to think about Exodus 21 and the choices we make. We're going to be th- we're going to be now listening to some music, worshiping with some music and and then uh, our our camp director from Manitou Lake Seth Briggs will come and bring a report in some of God's word and I know in, from looking at his slides that he's going to be talking about choices as well. And so uh, we have we have choices to make and they have consequences. And one of the choices we make is to be here together even though it's through live stream and worship. And so wherever you are, maybe no one in your family wants to go to church this morning, so you're in the bathroom with your headphones on. Turn it up and worship God. Amen.
Good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning, although I have to admit it would have been better if we could all be in the same room. Uh, my name is Seth. I'm the director at Manitou Lake Bible Camp. Along with my wife, Leslie, we've been uh, privileged to be there and to do these visits every uh, spring, usually. And, uh, you know, by extension, we feel like we have this really big and spread out uh, church family that we get to connect with, and and uh, today's no different. Um, I have two two goals this morning. One is to bring you an update from the camp ministry. Um, we love this church. We love the, how much this church has invested into the ministry at Manitou um, through time, through prayer, uh, through giving, and um, we just want to bring you an update about what's happening because you probably have questions about camp and how that works in these in these times. Um, I also have uh, uh, an encouragement, I hope, from God's Word to bring um, a little bit later. But first, just a, a short update about our family. Um, uh, Leslie has continued to teach and uh, is really enjoying that. She's taking a uh, an upgrade, I guess, or, or finishing a second degree that she started 15 years ago when kids interrupted that. So she's been a little extra busy on top of teaching. She's also been a student. Um, the rest of our kids are, are our kids are growing rapidly. Uh, we now have a house full of teenagers. Well, our first one is driving, uh, Drew, and um, we're just so blessed uh, to have healthy and happy kids right now. Um, they have various uh, hobbies and interests that they've continued to do uh, throughout the past year. Um, as you know, Manitou Lake Bible Camp exists for really one reason, and you can see that maybe in small print on this first slide if you squint at your screen, um, but it, it's a simple mission. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ through a camp program. In plain language, that means we exist to tell others about Jesus and the good news that he uh, has brought for us to, to know. And uh, when we do this, we have this amazing facility, this amazing ministry tool that we call camp that we get to, to bring this good news through. Um, as you know, camp is an amazing experience. If you've ever been there, you know that to get out of to get out of town, to get away from the distractions of life, the stress, um, whatever it is, and to just be in God's creation together with other people, uh, to be uh, doing amazing, fun activities, to be sitting under the teaching of God's word that brings life. Um, it's just a it's a really uh, effective tool and we st I'm still convinced 10 years after 10 years of doing this that it's one of the most effective ways that we as a church have of spreading the gospel for to our neighbors and uh, to the communities around us so what does ministry in a pandemic look like I don't much like talking about the pandemic anymore as you all are uh, probably the same as me tired of, of hearing about this um, but I just wanted to give you a really brief rundown of how this past year has went for us. Um, last year, or around this time, I guess is a bit earlier than this, uh, we had our first wave of, of this uh, pandemic, and it made, it made for some really tough decisions for us as a camp. At that point in time, we had a, uh, a summer team hired. We were excited about a really good season coming up, and then we were told that we couldn't have in-person camp. It was a little depressing, to say the least. I had to let go all of our summer team to tell them that we just didn't have the finances to give them 
work when there was not going to be campers. Um, it was really humbling after, at that point to have several of them um, say, well, that's okay, we'll come anyways. And we had a small volunteer team that came and served at camp without, uh, without any support, without any pay. And initially, that team went to work planning for a virtual program, something like this, where we could offer at least something to kids who were in isolation, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, in their homes, to bring them some uh, distraction and, and definitely to bring them the good news of the gospel through a screen. And they were very creative. They had uh, put a ton of hours into that. Um, but near the beginning of June, the Saskatchewan government gave us the green light to do in-person day camps. So we made a quick pivot and um, uh, organized. We opened registrations, I think, around the first end of the first week of June, and we filled our weeks very quickly. Um, so we were happy to be able to launch in-person day camp programming at Manitou last summer. It was a compressed season. We only really operated on-site programs for most of July and the beginning of August. Um, but it was so good to see kids come, like coming out of a cocoon, they, they came with stress and tension on their faces and that quickly melted away as they got to experience the joy of being together at camp. Um, so that was that. It was a smaller summer. Uh, we, at that point, I think as a camp, we're in survival mode. Although one thing was very clear, the, the camp board, the leadership team, um, knew right from the start that we were willing to do whatever it took to do ministry uh, through this time. And so, uh, although day camp was not quite as good as overnight camp, it was still a really good thing. As we entered the fall and the winter season, um, we realized actually pretty quickly that there was a definite need and an interest in programming to continue. And we ran one of our busiest seasons ever. Uh, through the winter and fall. And we did that within the day camp model that we are given uh, in Saskatchewan. And so you can see a number of activities listed on the slide here. Everything from our trail ride fundraiser, which was amazing again. Uh, we did a camp fun day. We had our BOLD program. That's our leadership development program. Um, the very first step of it, run as a weekend instead of during the summer as a week. Uh, we did a youth groups day camp, a junior high event, and the thing that I'm most excited about is the Gospel Basics Retreat Series that we uh, launched. And we launched, we launched this series probably a year sooner than we had planned on. Um, this series is a, is a five-part series that takes, the, the initial goal was to take high school kids on a journey of uh, discovery and of, of learning about what the gospel is. And I say it's a journey because uh, the first retreat focuses on the fact that there is holy God. And so we took a very in-depth look at who God is and our worldview and how that shapes everything. And we have to get to that understanding, that acceptance of there is a holy God before we can go to the next uh, retreat stop, which is that we are actually sinners. When we look at the, the reality that God is God, and we realize I'm not, um, that's preparation to receive the good news in the third retreat that there is a sufficient substitute so I, I could talk about that one for a long time but we were able to launch this series as a day camp format this winter we ran the first two parts and it was very good and we're excited to run run again this fall uh, but this time we're going to do all five parts uh, through the coming winter now I say that we were um, 
doing this a year sooner than we planned on because this was a part of, is a part of our Manitou 365 project overall. If you haven't heard of Manitou 365, um, it is, uh, um, well, I'll say a bit more about that in a second. Before that, though, uh, coming up this season, uh, we have a more ambitious plan to continue to, to do ministry. Now, as everyone else, uh, we had hoped by this point we'd be able to run more regular programming. Um, but it's looking like that's not going to be likely. At, maybe towards August we could get to more regular programming. Um, but in an effort to be proactive and to make sure that we can make the most of the opportunity that we do have, we've planned, um, like I said, an ambitious day camp program. So we have five weeks of day camp scheduled. We also have permission to do a new style, a new old style of camp called intense camp. And so this is close to traditional camp, except that every kid and every staff person stays overnight in their own tent. And so for some, that doesn't sound like a very fun thing. uh, But for those that are just dying to get away uh, to camp, it's a really good thing. Um, So this has required us to uh, obviously source tents. We're only running with uh, four groups uh, up to 40 campers, I guess, uh, for these weeks. So it's a smaller number still, but we're really, really looking forward to that. Um, We're still looking for some tents. We've uh, located 25 out of the 40 that we need. Um, So we have the intense camps. And oh, by the way, those are very, very popular. It says three weeks on there. We're likely going to add a fourth week yet. We started out with two weeks, and uh, we had to add a third week quickly as the waiting list grew. Um, we also are doing our family camp uh, August long weekend. This one is filling up quickly as well. So if you're listening today and you're planning on registering, I would recommend doing it this week if you need a cabin. If you're bringing an RV, um, that's uh, another matter. Um, I have two weeks of camp on the road there. Now, this is going to happen in conjunction with our two weeks of intense camp, our original two weeks. We're going to send a, a team on the road to do a VBS-style camp on the road, and uh, we're excited about that as well. And then the, the last part of our program in the summer is called Extreme Options. And these are one day every Friday, basically, um, where campers in the junior high and high school age group can come and do the skill of their choice. And they get to do it uh, to their heart's content. There's going to be a lot of time put into each... Uh, Activity and there'll be more advanced, uh, you know, horseback riding or more advanced uh, uh, marksmanship uh, or photography. And I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but you can check those out. They're going to be a, a lot of fun too, and they're beginning to fill as well. Like I mentioned, Manitou 365, um, we have uh, this project underway. It's on the next slide there, yeah. We have this project underway um, that. You know, we launched last April. Now, if you talk about strategically planning a fundraiser, I think this is probably the worst possible time to actually launch a fundraiser um, at the beginning of a pandemic because it's been such a distraction. Um, But I can tell you this. After going through the past year, I'm more convinced now than ever that we as a camp need to continue on this path, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, We have seen through this disruption globally that we have a need to be as versatile as possible as ministries. We need to be able to reorganize what we do 
and to have more overnight options for small groups and year-round to expand the season, I think is going to be crucial uh, to seeing the camp continue to grow and have an impact in our communities. The second is less related to COVID, just more related to our cultural moment. And it's this, that um, there's a, a real big lack of confidence in the truth that we find in God's word, just in general. We see that inside the church and outside the church. Now, this shouldn't be surprising to us as we're now reaping the rewards of 30 years, maybe, of postmodern thinking. But what is truth is a question that's echoed over and over. And as believers, we we, we should know that we can be completely confident in the truth that God offers us in his word. And so to have a facility and a program to continue to bolster and strengthen that confidence for our young people in the truth found in God's word is, is... more relevant today than it was even a year ago. Um, you don't have to spend two minutes on social media to get a, a whiff of this um, attack on truth. And so we're excited to have the opportunity to train young people, to, to support adults as they are on this discipleship journey. So what is it that we need? Matthew 365 is a title that we gave to an overall expansion. Um, and it involves adi- adding a, a housing unit which isn't a very nice term or a fancy term yet for it. We'll, we'll come up with a better name for it. But it's going to be a housing unit that's going to add 15 overnight rooms uh, to our year-round capacity. Um, that'll bring us up to about 60 people that we can host comfortably year-round. Um, it'll be perfect to do retreats. There will also be a meeting space in that facility so we can do sessions that are not in the same place you're eating your meal. Right now we do have the beautiful dining hall and we can do a retreat, but it involves sleeping on the floor, taking your, your training sessions or your chapel times and your meals all in the same few square feet. And so we're really uh, hopeful that we are going to add this, this housing unit in God's timing. Now you see a little thermometer on the, the right side of this slide. We broke this overall project down into three years. In the first year, our goal was 182000 The total project uh, comes out at 600000 um, the housing unit's the first part. The second part is uh, we expanded our staff team. We added Jade Sommerfeld to our full-time team, and she has brought an amazing skill set, and um, her her role is as uh, director of creative programming. And she's on board to help us continuously program instead of programming for just a short period of time in the season. Um, you can see... Uh, her impact already on our on our website, in her artistic abilities and her design, as well as her tech abilities, um, and so we're excited to have her on board because um, she was a, another part of this overall campaign. And the third part was uh, we need at the camp, uh, well, we desire a base for our maintenance, so that we can care for our many many buildings and pieces of equipment with excellence year round. Right now, our maintenance has no home. Uh, we have a little shack we call Jerusalem, um, but it's not big enough, and it, it does not house all that it needs to house. So all told, it's $600,000. You see the total for year one was 182, and the thermometer on this slide, which we made a few weeks ago now, says 31. Today, that thermometer should read just over $70,000. It's been an exciting couple of weeks, and we're hopeful that uh, we're going to see God provide in his time. If you're listening to this and you want more information, there, I have a much more detailed presentation about this, or, or it can just be a coffee or a phone call. 
I'd love to, to share with you. Um, but pray with us for that. I have on there Crops and Cows for Camp. You might be wondering what that is. It's a program where we've invited agricultural producers to give out of the first fruits of their labor to this project. And we've challenged our grain producers to get to uh, try to give 10,000 bushels, the proceeds from 10,000 bushels of crop each year. And our cattle producers, 10,000 pounds of beef. Uh, we added the cattle producers after because I heard some complaints from them afterwards, uh, some rancher friends that said, well, I think we could probably beat the grain producers. And um, so if you're interested about how that works, obviously give me a call. All right, the last uh, part of the camp update is how can you be involved? And this doesn't actually change year to year. I say these same three things, but I'm just going to reiterate them. We need people to pray first and foremost. If nothing else, that's what we need. We need people to pray. Because when, pe- when God's people pray, um, his kingdom advances. Um, if you want prayer updates and you aren't getting them yet, uh, please, you can go to our website and subscribe. Or if that is too techie for you or anything like that, give us a call and we can get you signed up for those. If you don't have email, um, we would love to arrange you to get a paper copy of that update, maybe through the church here or we can mail it even. The second uh, way to be involved is to serve. This year we're excited to welcome our volunteers back onto site um, more confidently now that we understand how to operate in in, uh, pandemic times. And so Um, If you would like to volunteer for a day or for a week, uh, please let me know. Let us know at the office, and we'd love to find an opportunity that suits you. And uh, I know this for a fact. When you come and serve at camp, you get blessed. And I say that not just because I work there now, but before I worked there, I was also a volunteer that would come for a week at a time, and I was always more blessed than I'm sure I was a blessing. Um, So consider that this summer. And the third way is to give. And we, we have already mentioned Manitou 365. If you'd like to give a gift towards that project, all you have to do is designate, designate it. But we also have our regular day-to-day operations. And um, one of the dangers of doing a capital project is that our operations would suffer. And so far, God has been very faithful, and we're able to continue operating. Um, and, of course, we've had to make some, some uh, adjustments and... Um, but so far, those adjustments haven't involved cutting back on our staff. They haven't involved cutting back on our ministry. So we're thankful that God has been able to uh, guide us through those hard discussions and, and decisions. And it's really only because God's people have continued to be generous and faithful. And the last uh, way to, to give is obviously the, the uh, full-time team, our missionaries. We raise support um, and the board has asked us all to, as part of our our uh, plan to be more uh, sustainable, to increase our support levels. So if you'd like to uh, become a regular supporter or do a one-time gift, both are possible. You can do that either by calling the camp or you can uh, contact One Hope Canada directly at their office and they can set it up for you. I'm going to pray that God would help us as we open his word together. So would you bow with me? Lord, I thank you so much that we have the opportunity to connect today, even though it is virtually. Um, I pray that as we open your word now and we look at what it is you have to say for us, say to us, um, that we'd be open to hearing it. Help me to speak clearly and um, 
help the technology to, to communicate this clearly as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every summer we have a camp theme. And obviously we are a ministry that is, is passionate about the good news of the gospel. So we try to make our camp theme something that would remind you in October or November or December about the good news of the gospel that you were able to hear at camp. Our theme this summer is rescued. But just to get us in the, into the mindset or to the, uh, the, the right frame of mind to have this discussion, um, if you take a look at the picture there, I just wondered if anyone can relate. Now, if you're, if you're a farmer and you see that combine stuck uh, behind the tractor that might have been there to pull it out, um, you know that that's a bad day. Um, when I was when I was uh, growing up at home, um, my dad would, was quite adventurous when it came to driving places, and I do remember several times having to get out and push or dig or both, and uh, you know we'd 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 complain as kids, oh we're stuck, and my dad would say this, you're not really stuck if you can still get out, which sounds like it is really common sense. You're not really stuck you can still get yourself out. Um, but there was there were times, occasionally, where um, it was beyond uh, what we could do to free the vehicle. If you see that Jeep there, that's not me. That's just an internet picture that I borrowed. Um, but that would be a really bad day, and that would require a rescue. I remember another story from about two years ago, well, just over two years ago at camp. Uh, I had a radio call right before supper from some of our staff, our summer team. And they said, uh, we have a problem on the beach. And I said, oh, what's the problem? And they said, well, there's two campers here that are stuck in the sand. And I thought to myself, being a little bit impatient, like, really? You can't solve that problem? You're calling the director because you got two campers with a little bit of sand on them. And I said, well, you guys can probably handle it. Just let me know how it goes. And they were great summer team members, so they said, okay. And I continued on to go through the lineup for supper. I had my supper in front of me, and then I got another radio call. And they said, the radio call simply said, we can't get them out. And I, and I thought, really? It's been a half an hour. You still can't get them out of the sand. Okay. So I went down to the beach, and I discovered um, a bit more of the full picture. When I got to the beach, I discovered that one of the campers was, my, was actually my nephew and, uh, and then his buddy from camp. But they had done what every camper at camp does on their beach time. They dug a hole in the sand. I don't know why that's such a fun activity, but you give them a shovel, they'll dig a hole. And when you dig a hole at Manitou, it turns into a mud pit, a sand pit, really. And so they had got stuck close to up to their waist in was really quicksand. And so careful as they were, these two summer team members had tried as they could to, to pull these guys out, but they didn't want to hurt these guys. They didn't want to pull their hips out of joint or their arms or anything. They had a shovel there, but they were afraid to dig around these kids because they didn't know exactly where their legs were under the sand. And so those two guys needed a rescue and they needed help. There was nothing they could do to get themselves out of that mud pit. And between the three of us, we did come up with a plan to dig further away and let take the pressure off the legs and, and, and had those kids up showered and and uh, got them some nice warm supper. Today our text is coming from Colossians 
chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And in this passage, we're going to hear about rescue. These are our theme verses for the summer, like I said. And, and this is how they, they read. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to look at this passage in three uh, parts. The first part, I'm just simply titling Rescued From. So this is the first part of the story when we talk about the gospel, the good news. Uh, And the phrase is for he, that's God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. The word dominion is not one that we're often... um, using today i don't think unless you're different than, than i like i don't we don't hear this really regularly used in canadian english but dominion means that which is mastered or ruled um we we live in a democracy we live in a free country where we probably don't have a real good notion of what it means to be mastered or ruled over um, if we had lived in a in under a dictatorship or a, or a totalitarian like monarch or something like that, we might have a better idea of what it meant to be under the dominion of something or someone. This verse tells us that we were rescued from the dominion of darkness. We were ruled or mastered by darkness until we were rescued from it. You don't actually need rescuing from something if you can do something about it yourself. Going back to my dad's advice, you're not really stuck if you can still get out. You don't need rescuing from anything if you can still work yourself out of it. It might take some hard work and some time, but when you really, truly need to be rescued, there's nothing you can do on your own to get out of that. This first phrase points us clearly to the fact that God has rescued us as believers from the control and the authority and the power of darkness. This phrase establishes the human condition in just a few words. In just a few words. And it speaks to our utter need to be rescued. If we could actually get ourselves out of the dominion of darkness, many would have done it by now. Many would have figured out a way. And and believe me, throughout history... Um, probably even my in my own personal history, we try to do this in many ways. I might try really, really, really hard to work against a certain area of temptation in my life. I might try really, really hard to be good enough to measure up to God's perfect standard. I might try really, really hard to apply the latest uh, uh, philosophy or or whatever it is to my situation because I believe at some level that I can actually do this myself and rescue myself, but it never works. My experience is it never works. Through history, we see that it's never worked. The good news of the gospel is that we can't do it, but he can. We can't do it, but he can. What does this dominion of darkness look like? I've got a couple of um, passages listed there, and it's a dark study. If you want to look at those passages later, I encourage you to. But it goes through all of the the aspects of what the sin nature of what the dominion of darkness looks like. Um, If if I just read a couple of the uh, lowlights from those passages, 
They include things like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness. Uh, In the Romans passage, um, some of the lowlights include worshiping created things instead of the creator. You might think, well, I don't do that, but in many ways we do. We seek out the pleasure that we can find here today instead of the creator who created that pleasure. Uh, uh, Perverting God's plan for sex, becoming filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. This is where it hits home. Gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful, inventing ways of doing evil, disobeying parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Even though we know God's righteous decrees that these things, and that these things deserve death, well, we not only continue to do them, but also approve of those who practice them. That last part, not, not, not only do we know that those things are bad, but our culture has shifted now to such a place where it's actually virtuous to pursue some of these things, these dark and evil things. It's celebrated. These things are celebrated as virtuous, as true, being true to yourself, as being truly free. And yet, it's nothing but slavery disguised as freedom. Our culture today celebrates many of these things, but the truth is that it's not living the enlightened life like it's made out to be. It's actually slavery that we need to be rescued from. A slave cannot just walk free. We don't understand that imagery because we haven't probably lived as slaves. But we need rescuing from this slavery. Life outside of God's design for his creation to live and to relate and to worship is not better, it's far worse. I'll say that again. Life outside of God's design For his creation to live and relate and worship is not better. It's far worse, and we're powerless to break free from those selfish desires. This is a dark uh, topic. It's not a fun topic to, to consider that we are actually ruled by sin before we're rescued. But if we didn't need rescue, what news would it be that we were rescued it would be nothing because we could have said well I could have done that myself if we look ahead if we read ahead in Colossians 2 and I don't have this on the slide but Colossians 2 verses 13 to 15 uh, it points out something else that's, that's important for us it says this when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh God made you alive with Christ He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When you were dead, let me ask you this. What can a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. We needed to be rescued. And the good news found in this Colossians 1 passage is that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. 
It says in the second phrase, and this is the second point, that he brought us in. We are brought in to the kingdom of the son he loves. He doesn't just rescue us from death. He brings us into life. This kingdom is the domain of Jesus. Again, this is good news. We're no longer subject to our old self, our old nature. We're now subject to and we're free in Jesus. Um, the kingdom, this kingdom is amazing as it's one in which we find freedom from sin and death because he's defeated the power of sin and death that they have over us by taking our place on the cross of Calvary in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. Now, there are many many good descriptions about what the kingdom of God is like. I don't know about you, but if you've ever experienced a different culture for more than a week, um, you start to really notice the differences when you stay longer than that. Um, We have to explore this new culture in God's kingdom. This new culture, I got a lot of details on there, not to worry about the details in the slide, but just listen to them as I read through. This, This culture or this kingdom is one where God identifies it's true citizens. It's one where God grows his kingdom supernaturally and pervasively, just like the mustard seed that grew into a big tree from a small seed. This kingdom is one that, when fully understood, becomes indescribably valuable. This kingdom is one where childlike faith is a requirement. This kingdom is one where God determines eligibility, not works, not merit. Not good looks, nothing. God determines eligibility. This kingdom is one that is valued, highly valued, and to be watched for and carefully stewarded. This kingdom is one where God searches out the lost and rejoices when they are found. This kingdom is one that could be called upside down, where the greatest should be like the youngest or the least, and those who rule like those who serve. This kingdom is one that is entered only by being born of water and of the Spirit. I don't know if you heard the theme in there. The theme is that it's God's kingdom, that he is the, the, the author and the finisher of it. One that is entered by being born of water and the Spirit. And we, of course we know from uh, Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, that we are a new creation. And uh, Galatians 5 talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is. And i just like to read those. As we become new creations, new citizens in God's kingdom, this is what we start to look like, smell like, taste like. There's going to be growing amounts evident in our life that are there, growing amounts of love when we know naturally there wouldn't be. There's going to be growing amounts of joy when it doesn't make sense. There's going to be growing amounts of peace when the world rages around us. There's going to be growing amounts of patience when our patience is tested. There's going to be kindness that isn't just naturally from you. There's going to be goodness that replaces those areas of sin that you've struggled with. There's going to be faithfulness and gentleness. Uh, 
present and self-control. To sum it up, it will be evident to all, especially those that know us, that we are dying to pride and selfishness and submitting to God's plan and to his will. Now this might trouble you to hear that because you might be a Christian, you might have been a Christian for a long time and you're thinking to yourself, well that's a pretty harsh uh, standard to measure up to. I don't know if I do measure up to it. And I want to go back to the very first point. We We can't do this on our own. It's God's work. God is the one that rescued us. It's God that brought us into the kingdom of the sunny loves. And I suspect if you're struggling as a Christian to see these things evident in your life, it's probably, probably due to the fact that perhaps you're trying to generate that on your own instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to take control. Living a life in God's kingdom, in the domain of the sunny loves, looks like making more of him and less of me. This brings us to the third, the third section of this passage. We were, brought, we were rescued from the dominion of darkness. We were brought into the kingdom of the son he loves, where we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now these two things should... Make us jump. I don't, and I don't know where you're watching this today. If you're in your house, you want to jump up and shout, um, I would encourage it. These are two amazing truths that should take the weight of, of 10 tons off your shoulders. But to truly understand that we've been redeemed and forgiven is such good news. Redemption is, or redeemed is a, is a term that, that is also used in a legal sense when it comes to slavery. A slave who has been redeemed has had their freedom purchased and given to them. In a very real sense, we've had our freedom purchased and given to us by Jesus, by what he did on the cross at Calvary. So we've, we've been made free not because we earned it, not because we paid the price for it, but because Jesus has paid the price on our behalf and has offered that freedom to us, to you and to me, for all who would believe, for all who would place their faith in him. There is redemption. It's, again, one of those words that maybe we don't use on a real regular basis, but this is a deep and meaningful truth that we need to, to always keep in our minds. You've been redeemed. You're no longer a slave. We were dead in our transgressions, remember. We couldn't do something for ourselves to help ourselves, but Jesus did. And he's made us alive by his spirit, as we're born of the spirit. The second uh, statement in this is that we are forgiven. Now this one's probably easier for us to grasp, easier for us to get our head around. But our debt has been canceled because we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I know I don't, I wasn't looking forward to paying the wages for my sin. And I'm so grateful, so thankful that Jesus has paid that debt on my behalf and is able to cancel that debt because of what he's done. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that fact in Easter. It's not about the bunny 
It's not about anything else except the, the, the amazing truth that our debt has been canceled. It's been paid. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. We've been brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. We've been redeemed and forgiven. If you're watching or listening this morning and you feel like, yeah, I know those things are true, but I still don't feel it. I know those things should be true about me, but I still wrestle with sin. I want to encourage you this morning that our enemy is a master manipulator liar. And he's going to continue to tell you day in and day out that, no, you can't really make the right choice. You can't really overcome that temptation. You can't really walk free. But it's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus has claimed the victory for you and for me. We have to choose to believe it. We have to choose to walk in that. We have to choose to recognize that we're no longer slaves to sin. We're children of God Almighty. And I want to encourage you that if there is a particular area in your life that you're just feeling that, that slavery still, to turn it over to him. And then to go one step further, uh, sin thrives in the darkness. It thrives in the dark corners. And if you can bring that out into the light and find a Christian brother or sister or a pastor to confess that to, I can tell you from experience that destroys some of the power of that lie over you. And it is freedom. There are no perfect Christians. In fact, all of us are Christians recognizing the fact that we needed to be saved. We couldn't do it ourselves, but he can, and he did. Praise be to Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to make a way for my forgiveness to be complete. Lord, I confess that sometimes it's easy to, re- to forget the truth that we're also redeemed, we're also set free. And I do pray for each and every one of us that we could walk more fully in that truth today, that we are free. Give us the courage to let go of the reins to, to your spirit. Give us the courage to point to you instead of pointing to ourselves. And show us the ways that we can uh, more fully submit to to you and to your spirit's leading. I do pray that this week would be a week that uh, we would all experience amazing growth and amazing uh, breakthroughs in our walk with you. And help us to share this good news of the gospel with our friends and our neighbors that they might see and be saved. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.